0: Welcome to business connection, zoom edition. I'm Liz Spencer. I'm joined by Melissa pop executive director and Katie Monahan director of business development from transitions. So let's start the conversation and tell me a little bit about transitions. So Transitions
1: hospice has been around since 2007 and we service, um, patients in 38 counties in Illinois, uh, broken down into five regions. Currently, uh, we serve the Rockford area, um, Huntley, Naperville, Champaign and Peoria are all our regional offices and we serve about um, 360 patients currently and we also have an office in Indianapolis.
0: Katie, what's the difference between hospice care and palliative care?
2: That's a great question, Liz. A lot of people get confused. Hospice care is for individuals who have a terminal diagnosis And a prognosis of about six months or so left to live without any curative treatment. Um, Of course, no one has a crystal ball. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes we do have patients who live beyond that six month mark. But as long as they continue to have a decline in their health, they can continue to qualify for hospice. Palliative care is different in the fact that those individuals continue to receive curative treatment. So maybe someone who has a cancer diagnosis, but wants to continue to receive chemotherapy or radiation, but needs the palliative care to manage some of the symptoms that are coming along with some of those treatment. Uh, it could be pain or any sort of, sort of discomfort that they have. Um, and palliative is really
0: available to anybody who has chronic symptom managements that they might need. So, for someone um, who hasn't been through hospice care, who's entering that stage of life, what does that look like? So,
1: from um, a clinical
0: perspective,
1: um, you know, we would be coming into the home um, to take care of all of their, you know, healthcare needs, um, and again, it's really focused on comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, An RN case manager would be coming in as often as that patient needed. I would say our average, um, you know, visit frequency is two times a week. Um, And again, we've added the telehealth, which um, also is very um, helpful during these times. Um, Additionally, we provide um, CNA, which is a certified nurse assistant, which would um, assist the patient and family with um, any hygiene needs, bathing, um, transfers. Um, In addition to that, we have our social worker that can um, help assist and find resources um, for whatever that family patient may need. Um, We also have a chaplain um, that can provide spiritual support, bereavement um, coordinator, who follows up with the family 13 months after um, in that um, time once the patient passes away.
0: I think with hospice care, not only are you taking care of the patient, but you're really taking care of the family. You're, you're helping us through that journey that when you go through it the first time, you have no idea. That's actually the reason that we put
2: together the Vigil Sitter Program. Okay. Um, we have a program that allows for a individual from transitions, whether an employee or volunteer, to come and sit with a individual who's on our hospice service to give the family a little bit of respite. Um, It can be very difficult to have a loved one at home on hospice Mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't have the energy to do a 24 hour or 48 hour vigil and you need that sleep and that time for a break. So we will actually provide one of our staff members or volunteers to come in and stay with someone so that the family member can get that rest that they need. Um, And make sure that the patient is not alone, because we really
0: believe that no one should ever die alone. So important. So important. Katie, tell me a little bit about palliative care. What happens with your team on that one? So our
2: palliative care team isn't quite as big as the hospice care team. Um, Again, because palliative care is for individuals who are still receiving treatment outside of the home. Um, So our palliative care team is made up primarily of our palliative nurse practitioner and a licensed clinical social worker. So the nurse practitioner is there to meet medical needs, whereas the social worker is there to uh, identify sort of outside resources that might be necessary for a patient. The nurse practitioner has the ability to order new medications, order supplemental services like uh, durable medical equipment that might be needed. Maybe somebody needs oxygen at home or a hospital bed, um, and they can go ahead and make sure that that is ordered and covered under insurance. And then they can also order services like mobile imaging if somebody might need an X-ray or lab work. Uh, Somebody could have a phlebotomist come in to do lab draws uh, and even home health care. So that someone could continue to receive skilled nursing services or physical therapy in the home while they are under palliative care especially now with everyone being very nervous about going to the hospital so by utilizing both palliative care services or hospice services our goal is to make sure that individuals can be safe in their home um, and make sure that they can go ahead and live out the rest of their life as comfortably as possible
0: Tell me, how are you working with our current condition in the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: So we have gotten very creative and um, in trying to continue the excellent care that we provide to our um, patients and families out in the community, at home, skilled nursing facilities, and assisted living facilities. Uh, We've created our uh, COVID-19 task force Um, you know, implemented multiple policies and procedures, um, and of course, following all CDC guidelines and recommendations. uh, uh, We've done over 23 trainings since March 23rd with our clinical team and our managers. Um, And, you know, that's not gonna stop anytime soon. So there's, um, you know, multiple things we've implemented um, to, keep patients and families and of course our staff safe um, and still continuing, you know, providing great care. We utilize Zoom uh, for telehealth visits. Uh, we rolled out telehealth about two weeks ago. Typically, uh, rolling out telehealth is a, about a 60-day process, but we got it going within um, a week or two and it's actually going very, very well. And of course, you know, we still need to provide that in-person, you know, hands-on care. So making sure that uh, our staff is trained on infection control uh, policies and procedures, of course, wearing the proper PPE. Um, And then again, that goes along with doing a lot of training with our patients and families on how they can remain safe at home as well.
0: It's a trying time and that, that personal touch being in the home um with the family with the patient is so important. So it does put you your you and your team at a greater risk. So I'm 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 happy to hear about all that you're doing to protect the families and yourselves. Because this doesn't hospice care and palliative care does not stop because of COVID-19. It's it, it continues. Um, exactly if- Liz. Um, a, a, another thing to add oh, on good. to that we've been able to put
2: together a program by which we are monitoring not only our patients but also each of our staff members. So every day uh, staff members are asked to fill out a questionnaire about their personal health to make sure that we are catching anything that might potentially be a risk of exposure. And we're also doing daily checks with our patients to make sure that we're doing the same screening on them. So that should either a employee or a patient show any signs or symptoms of COVID-19, we can go ahead and limit any exposure that that individual might have to anyone else so that we can prevent the spread of it.
0: It's a vulnerable population you're working with. You're already in that transition time period. So it's It's a lot of work, you guys. Great job, great job. So tell me, we often think we need hospice care or palliative care, but then we worry about costs. Is this covered by insurance? So hospice care
1: is 100% covered by the Medicare A benefit. Um, We also accept commercial insurance
0: um, and Medicaid. How can someone know if they they qualify for, for insurance with hospice or palliative care? So we would run eligibility
1: um, upon when we get the referral, but we um, accept many commercial insurances. And then again, of course, it is covered 100% by the Medicare benefit.
2: The other thing that we can do is that anyone can actually call to inquire about services for either uh, palliative care or hospice care. And at that point, we'll ask them a couple of questions about what their their health history is, what their goals are, and we can actually help facilitate that process for them uh, to know that they can call us with really a no obligation phone call just to gather information. Uh, Because our goal really is to educate everyone and let them understand
0: that hospice really is more about living than about dying. Right. Well, and Katie, thank you for bringing that up because there are lots of other hospice groups out there. So you as a as a family member, you're thinking about it, you have to call people, you have to find a group that's comfortable with you and your family so it's nice to know that they can call transitions and talk to somebody and say this is the situation i am because you don't know when you do your first time you are really just getting a big education so it it takes a a loving team like yours to help us through that first process then you get a lot smarter so and i can't thank you enough for taking take continuing this during this tough time of covid19 too because it does not stop so we wish you health and wellness and we again thank you for your important work welcome to business connection zoom edition i'm liz spencer and today i'm joined by dr mary clifton of boomer naturals welcome doctor thank you for having me liz So we're in a very different time now. So why is it so important for people to follow the CDC guidelines and wearing a mask in public?
3: Well, in this pandemic, this virus is very contagious and it lives on surfaces for a long period of time, but it can also hang in the air. The studies are showing for up to three hours. So even if you're avoiding somebody who's actively coughing or who appears to be sick, you could still walk around them and walk into somebody else's cough cloud and then give yourself a very significant viral exposure. So it's helpful, not only if you're sick, to protect yourself from somebody else, but also if you're around other people who are sick, wearing that mask is going to help you to not inhale such a
0: high level of uh, viral uh, contagion. Since the public is having to wear masks, you know, we're, we're encouraged not to wear the N95s. Those are for frontline workers. So, yeah. and, and regular and masks are are a little hard to get available, so we're making our own. What makes a good, highly effective mask? What do we? Need well, think
3: I think about? it's important for a mask to be comfortable and be able to breathe and talk through, because otherwise it's going to be something that you're not going to want to wear, that you're going to be pulling off your face intermittently and trying to catch air. So finding something that's breathable and easy to talk through is important. And then after that, looking for a higher level of filtration, because we know that a cloth mask or a bandana or sometimes Type of single layer cloth is better than nothing. A couple of layers of cloth becomes even better. Then, when we start adding additional filtration beyond that, is when you really get into some effectiveness for masks.
0: Any tips for how to wear a mask or how to take it on and off? That's tricky too, especially with with women. We have longer hair. Um, is there and we some- have makeup yeah, and but- that
3: gets in your way? So that's that's tricky too. All of my masks have a little red uh, lip. You know, in the center of them. But let me show you how to just uh, take this on. This is three layers of really comfy, cozy cotton polyester fibers. And the Boomer masks have some nano silver technology in them. So they trap about 92.9% of airborne pollutants with that nano silver technology. And they're very easy to use. You just loop the ear loop around one ear and then bring it over your nose and mouth and loop it on the other ear and then just check the fit. You wanna make sure that you're not getting a bunch of gaps where air can come into the mask and, and, and then get around your filtration. And then just try to keep your hands off your mask because if you're out, your hands may be uh, dirty or you may get some contamination from your mask. If you touch it, don't worry, just use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer or wash your hands. And then when you come home, just take the mask off by using your ear loops again one ear loop and then the other, and then you can do one of two things. You can wash it for two minutes in warm soapy water and set it to air dry on the counter or hanging, or you can put it in a paper bag in the um, oven on the lowest setting for 20 minutes, and that will sanitize it also. But if it's looking dingy, you might just want to give it a scrub, and we would
0: recommend you do that by hand. You at Boomer Naturals right now are selling these masks, right? The one you just demonstrated. I can I can go on your website and purchase, correct? Yes,
3: ma'am. In in a couple of different colors and also sized for kiddos too, with some really sweet patterns. They sent me this little bunny mask to show you. <laughs> this is oh, so cute. Oh, how fun!
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to get those for my grandkids. That's awesome. So, and that that brings me to a question. Everybody needs to be wearing a mask. Children should be wearing masks.
3: Everybody over the age of two, just because I think it's probably going to be hard to wrangle a two year old and keep them covered. (laughs) But anybody over the age of two should be wearing a mask it 's just a great idea for uh, protecting yourself. you don't know how the rest of the population is is doing and the problem with this virus is that it 's up to two weeks that people can be sick before they actually manifest uh, infectious symptoms so they 're transmitting the virus the whole time that they 're sick like that, and that puts you and your family at risk. so this just provides you with some added level of protection and support. So that, so that you can be as safe as you can be.
0: That's wonderful. Um, are your masks available? I mean, lots of people advertise them and then you order them and, and people are still waiting. I, I know a friend who has four different orders in. He's like, I'm gonna get masks a year from now when I don't
3: need them. Right, there's a whole bunch of supply line disruption. These are available and ready for immediate delivery. So especially if you put your delivery as urgent, you should be able to get them extremely quickly.
0: That's wonderful. Now you're also um, providing and making hand sanitizer, which is another hot item. Yes, it is so hard to find. Tell me a little bit about your hand sanitizer. Tell me a little bit about what we should know about hand sanitizer too.
3: Well, hand sanitizer is a nice alternative to washing your hands. You want to choose an alcohol-based hand sanitizer and use enough so that you're able to cover your whole hand surface. Because in the past, when we've done studies on influenza or SARS or MERS, we've actually been able to even culture that virus from under the wedding rings of healthcare providers. It's a very sticky bug. So when you're using it, just make sure you cover your entire hand surface and uh, Rub it in until your hands feel dry, until the alcohol has uh, has evaporated. That's a very effective product, and and like I said, difficult to find. I'm grateful to have any at all.
0: Right. Well, and I think that's wonderful too, because I think people should be carrying hand sanitizer. I have it in my car. I have a little one in my that goes in my coat pocket, because hand washing is probably the best thing, but we can't always get nice, hot, soapy water to work with. So we want to, it's a
3: little different lifestyle now, isn't it? I mean, I go everywhere with two masks because the studies show that as you humidify a mask, it decreases its efficacy. So as you breathe in and out after about 15 minutes, it might be wise if you have a mechanism to do so to have a second mask and be able to apply that one. If you're running several errands and having several contacts, but you know, that's, but sometimes I just leave the same mask on because my risk is very low with each errand that I'm running. Take advantage of that curbside delivery as much as you can. But I would still mask while somebody is loading the groceries into your car. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then using the hand sanitizer, I keep some Lysol spray. So if I get something in the car that I want to make sure is starting to decontaminate, I'll just spray it before I even drive away. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's it's different leaving
0: the house, isn't it? It is. I feel like we're going to have masks, take masks like we take sunglasses now. We yes. all have sunglasses all over the place. We put them on, but I think we're going to have to do that with masks. Mm-hmm. Um, how You touched on it a little bit, but how often should that mask be changed? Is it once a day? If I'm, run, if I'm out every day, should I have five masks
3: Well, I think it depends on how much cleaning you want to do. If you can get home and wash the mask uh, immediately in some soap and water and hang it, it'll be ready for the next day. So you can reasonably rotate through one mask. It's always nice to have more than one just so that, you know, because you are going to be wearing them every time that you're out uh, for your own protection and for others' protection. And so having more than one is just going to make it easier for you.
0: Super. Well, we appreciate Boomer Naturals um, helping us with this with good masks and good hand sanit- sanitizer. Tell us a little bit about what Boomer Naturals does when we're not in a pandemic. Oh, I really love Boomer Naturals. You know, I, I study CBD and cannabis,
3: and um, I know a lot of great CBD companies. Uh, Boomer Naturals is, it provides a, a, a supplement that stimulates your body like CBD, but has no CBD in it. It has all of these other products that are very nice for promoting and supporting resilience in the endocannabinoid system, but without, you know, giving you a CBD exposure. So for people who are in recovery or for people who are just a little weirded out about hemp or cannabis, but are still CBD curious, This is a great product or for people who have CBD and they're getting a great result and they want to see if they can supercharge that result that might be possible with this product too.
0: That's awesome. Well, Dr. Clifton, we appreciate you um, helping us by making masks and providing hand sanitizer. And your knowledge with your your medical background is so great because now we know we're getting a mask that's going to really work for us. So thank you so much. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Join me at Business Connection Zoom Edition. We wish you health and wellness and continue good luck. I wish all of that for all of you too. Take care. Welcome to Business Connection, Zoom Edition. I'm Liz Spencer. I'm joined today by Dr. Joe Hazelhorse of Naperville Dentistry. Dr. Joe, welcome. Tell me a little bit about your practice.
4: Thank you. Nice to talk to you, Liz. Um, well, I uh, came to Colorado for dental school at Northwestern. I taught there for 20 years as an instructor at Northwestern. Um, and I... I have four grown daughters who grew up in Naperville, had my practice at the corner of Main Street and Aurora Avenue in downtown Naperville for almost 30 years. Um, I've been active in the community, Rotary, uh, Naperville, JCs. And recently, though, I've been focused a little more on on improving the practice and working on the practice. We provide all all variety of dental services, from cosmetic to implants, root canals, orthodontics, all aspects of dentistry. Um, obviously some situations require specialists and we utilize some great specialists in the area when those situations arise
0: so how has um dentistry been disrupted during this pandemic
4: right yeah that's really been a tough one you know um i think your dental health is essential no matter what you know i i see uh a liquor store open or <laughs> <laughs> or, or construction, or, or um, the flower shop, and, and you know, and then, we are given a little bit of, you know, they're hesitating with giving us some guidance on, on what we can do, and, and like I said, I think it's important. Um, you know, dentistry has always been at the forefront of infection control. Um, when I was in dental school, hepatitis C was a big concern, and there were a lot of dentists that died from hepatitis C. So. So that was grilled into us, and, and all dentists take that into account from the very beginning. That that's really a number one priority is uh, infection control and taking care of the practice. Um, we've had I've had discussions about this with patients too, but um, it's it is an important topic, very involved.
0: It is, and, and I would agree with you that you know dentistry and is really. In essential business in in, in your mouth and your tooth care and all that. That's just kind of a really you know important part of our body that often gets overlooked. We take it for granted.
4: We really do. Right. Some people do, but you know some people are very diligent and very uh, very aware of of taking care of it. And they they get even if you push off their six month appointment, they're you know they're they're concerned and and I like that and so. That's
0: helpful. So what That's will your tough. office be doing differently um, when we're able to reopen and what are you thinking about?
4: OK, well, yeah, we we've been working on that. That's what we've had some time to do here during this, you know, working with the staff and, and getting some things lined out. You know, most of the things are, are smaller things. I, I, I put all the details of them in onto our uh, website, napervilleddentistry.com or dentistcom and um, I also have a column in Positive Lean where I discussed this, we sent an email to patients. So there's a lot of detail to it, um, um, but you know, two important lessons that I've learned in my, my years of practice here, since we're going through this is, is number one, you don't minimize patient's concern. Mm-hmm. And number two, you, you can't really diagnose them over the phone. So I, I do make it a practice to see everyone who has a problem as soon as I can, hopefully within the hour, sometimes it takes a few hours. Our goal is to see them that day. Even even through this, you know, we've taken some precautions and extra precautions. for separating patients, uh, 20 minutes between patients, only one in the office at a time, you know, things like that. Um, I, you know, but I just examined a patient the other day who had dentures. He called me and, and said he had a, a swelling, but no pain. And and you know, you might not say that's an emergency, but I said, well, you know, let's take a look. I learned this, and it turned out there was actually a swollen lymph node. that had nothing to do with his dentist. So that might or might not be anything big or serious but it is something that you know you should pay attention to make don't want to let go for a couple more months so that's, those are the decisions we're faced with you know
0: that's right well and, you know often dentists can you know find or discover something you know wrong with you in another part of your body that we take for granted again because our mouth and our gums and our teeth tell us so much so it's so interesting now you have been working on um, a new procedure or improving a procedure that helps with restoring a, a missing tooth, and, and again, we often take missing teeth for granted.
4: Right. Yes, and, and you know that's that's been a big thing here lately. Everybody, mm-hmm. I think everybody's aware of, of dental implants, and um, the the, uh, the one the know? one thing that um, that we've been working on lately is the mini dental implants, okay. and the mini dental implants are. Uh, Huge, important development in uh, in dentistry, and I could easily spend all day talking about it. But really, <laughs> it just means that it's a smaller diameter implant than the standard ones. Um, it's uh, the uh, the standard ones I've been doing since like two thousand and three, and I started doing these mini implants about four years ago. They were the system was developed by a dentist did in, in Buffalo, New York. He's been doing them for over twenty years, done twenty thousand of them and um, he he sort of perfected this system with these uh, mini dental implants hard to see but you can see that mm-hmm. they're so basically this is what the mini implants look like just pinned in there and then the denture goes on or the bridge goes on top of that a very simple system very small very intrusive um, there it's not an involved surgery very little bleeding no pain um, and they can be restored right away so it's really a great system. I've, Like I said, I, I did these standard ones before. I've probably done over 1,000 of these mini implants now. And patient response has been amazing. And if they weren't successful, I wouldn't still be doing them, uh, you know. You might occasionally hear from someone that these mini implants are, are temporary or that they don't work. But I tell people, if you hear that, ask them how many they've actually done because they, they do work. It's a great system, a lot less expensive. Actually, the mini implants are probably on average half the cost of the regular implant system
0: and so, that allows advantage for patients doc that allows the um that allows the dentures to stay in permanently. so you're no longer taking the the denture dentures in and out Right. Of
4: that. yes that's a good point there are several options we can use them to stabilize dentures which is what they were originally designed for like 40 50 years ago okay. Um, they've been using them to, that, to stabilize your own dentures. Or this last model that I showed you is a bridge where now we can permanently cement them on there and they do not come out.
0: That's, that's really helpful. Um, we also, you also mentioned to me that you had um, gone to a recent uh, Chicago Dental Society conference and, and brought back some, some new state-of-the-art right. thoughts to the, to the practice. Share a little bit with that.
4: Oh wow okay yeah one of the big things that i'm excited about is our our new scanner um, rather than taking impressions for crowns now we can use uh just a little wand here oh, wow. it scans the teeth and that digitally sends a file to the lab no more goop in your mouth <laughs> uh, we have our laser which we've had for a while but um we just improved that and we're, we're because of some of the developments that we learned at the midwinter meeting, we're utilizing the laser a whole lot more. We can even use it in place of drill of the drills sometimes. Uh, we have a new wand too, uh, intense light with the camera, that can show us decay um, without an X-ray, and it clearly shows um, areas that that might need a, a filling, which we might have missed before, or ones that we tend to watch—not that we necessarily miss, but we might say, "Oh, maybe it's not that big." and we find out now that maybe it is. We need to take care of
0: it. I th- Those are a few of the things. I think dentistry with technology has come so far in the last five to 10 years. It's amazing. Um, uh, yeah. It's super helpful to us. Um, I think it helps patient care greatly and make, and it minimizes, you know, I think everybody has some natural fear of the dentist, which I don't know why. I can't imagine anyone being fearful of you, Joe. <laughs>
4: well, that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, explaining a little bit about the dentist role during this pandemic and letting people know that you you are there to see them if they need to. And then all that you're doing with helping us with um, the latest in serving our, our teeth and our dentist care, especially the implants. You know, Those are tough times when you lose a tooth or you get to that point. So thank you so much.
4: Yes, it is. You're welcome. Thank, for, thank you for giving me a chance to tell people about it.
0: No problem. It.